0: I bless you, choir and orchestra, praise band, soloists. Terry, wonderful, specially selected for today. Good to have you with us once again. If you're watching on our simulcast, welcome. We love when people are at home or on the beach or in the mountains, wherever you are, uh, to join us today. We're, we celebrated believers' baptism earlier. Going to celebrate the Lord's Supper in a little bit, and we just say to you, parents, your child may not have come to a place yet where they have trusted Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So we'd ask you at this very start of the service that um, you help them just to refrain from taking that during this time, but use it as a teaching tool. You may be one of our guests today, and we invite you, if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus, even if you're not a member of our church, to participate in the Lord's Supper. You're welcome to do that. We'd love for you to do that. We'll have that in just a little bit. As we do, we're going to be in the book of Matthew this time, going this, over this particular ordinance. Last time we were in 1 Corinthians 11, we celebrated the Lord's Supper. Listen carefully. This may be the last time some may hear it. Life is like a vapor, the Word of God says. Probably not a person in this room thinks, well, you know, I'll, I'll be here. T- I know I'll be here tomorrow. We all think we will, but some of us may not be. I don't say that to be more, but I say that to get your attention. This may be the last time you hear this message. It includes the message of salvation. And I pray that you take it to heart. Listen to the words of Jesus found in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, starting in verse 26. Thank you if you'll bring that up. While they were eating, Jesus took bread, gave thanks, and broke it, and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take and eat, this is my body. The bottom line is, Jesus Christ is taking a symbol that was for the Passover. It was the meal they would have. They would have unleavened bread. Leaven, was a which is yeast, was a typology used in this case for sin. And by having unleavened bread... They were to leave the land and leave the sin, leave the pagan practices of the old world behind. And so they were not to put any yeast in the bread. That's why we serve the dry, flat cracker that we have. It's not focaccia bread or some other kind of bread. It's just a dry... And that's what that's about. Everything in the Passover supper symbolized something, and they were to remember... When they did those different things, took the different symbols, even the bitter herbs, the, the bitterness of being in bondage and slavery, all of it was to symbolize something and really help them to connect to it like Jesus is doing with this Lord's Supper. So we find there's this bread which you will have today as a reminder to me and you to leave, leave the things of the old world behind. Jesus, you've been faithful to me is the song we just heard. And I'm glad that he forgives, aren't you? We have failed, but he is able. And so he took it, and it says he broke it. Some, uh, as you look at the context of that, there's significance to it. Jesus' body did not have a broken bone in it when he was crucified. The Word of God tells about the Passover lamb in Exodus 12:46. It must be eaten inside one house. Take none of the meat outside the house. Do not break any of the bones. Jesus had no control, by the way, in this prophecy to decide that, that he would die and tell the soldiers, don't break my legs, I'm going to die. He had no control over that. It was a practice in biblical times that when being you were being crucified, if you were not dead by a certain time, they would take this big, large mallet and this is brutal. The executioners would literally come so that you could no longer keep pushing yourself up. You see, on the cross when you're hanging there, you're gasping for air. There's a little plate that they would nail beneath the feet. They could kind of push up and grasp air and they would cause the people to suffer even longer. But after a while, they would come and break your legs, so you couldn't push up anymore and you would literally suffocate. When they came to Jesus... There was no need to break his legs. He would not have any broken bones, just like the Passover lamb, by the way. Just like that. Bring up the next passage if you would. In John nineteen thirty-three and 34, it says, But when they came to Jesus and found that he was already dead, they did not break his legs. Instead, one of the soldiers pierced Jesus' side with a spear, bringing a sudden flow of blood and water, symbolizing with the blood and water that he had died. He was gone. His body had died. His spirit had gone forward from that point. When we look at this passage, we find out that God, even in the minutest detail of the true Passover lamb, Jesus. See, the Passover represented the death angel passing over the house of those who had put the blood of the lamb on their doorposts. Israel had been captive in Egypt for hundreds of years. God was getting ready to set them free. Pharaoh kept saying, no, no, no. Finally, there's going to be this time of a Passover when the death angel would come. But if you had the blood applied to your doorpost, the the death angel would pass over your house and spared your firstborn from death. Bring up the next passage, if you would, in Matthew 26, verses 27 and 28. After Jesus celebrated with the bread... Then he took, it says, he took the cup, gave thanks, and offered it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of it, all of you. This is my blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Why? For the forgiveness of sins. The cup represented that blood. It's the third cup of the Passover meal, the cup of blessing or thanksgiving. It's found in uh, 1 Corinthians ten sixteen. He takes the cup. The cup has red wine in it. The the cup does represent the blood of Christ. Now let me say this for everyone here and those listening. When Jesus was flogged and when he was crucified, there was a human being that grabbed a spike and was nailing Jesus literally to the cross. Can you even imagine that job? But I would say to you, that the physical blood of Jesus in that act no doubt would get on someone, don't you think? I believe it did. And here's why I say it. You could have the physical blood of Jesus and no doubt people that were pushing him and he was punched when he was being judged and all had blood on them. But it's not in the sense that you have blood on you that will save you. Jesus is literal blood. What the blood stands for is the life of Jesus. The blood of Christ, the Word of God says, the life of the body is in the blood. Now, for lots of years, people didn't understand that. That's why our first president, George Washington, many people wonder, how did he die? I've said this here before as as an illustration. They bled him to death. Barbers back in that day and time had a red and white pole. And if you were sick... They had these little cups there, quite costly in an antique shop. They're called bleeders, and they would slice you with the razor, and they would bleed out so much, and then they would bandage that up. Well, if you didn't get well like George Washington did, didn't did get well, they kept bleeding him. And eventually, if they take out about three or four courses, they say, look, he must have been really sick, he died. It's ridiculous, right? the life of the bodies and the blood. Jesus is saying, I exchanged my life for yours. I gave up my life so you could live. That's what it's talking about with the cup. The blood that was shed is the visible sign that the life was flowing out of him. He was giving it for me and for you. He gave thanks, and it was the new covenant. The old covenant was the Passover. The Passover fulfilled its old old covenant purpose. It was to remind the Jews that God saved them out of bondage. It was to remind them of where they were. So many times we can forget where we were, can't we? Can't we forget? We can forget where we were in life. The fact is, before Jesus saved us, I didn't know it. I was running towards hell at a million miles an hour. didn't know it. Risking my life doing stupid things. Hanging over eternity. Like some of you are right now, hanging over eternity, not having my sins forgiven, thinking my own way was the best way, the smartest way, and God would get it because I'm me. I'm an exception. But dear friend, the one who is an exception is God himself. He's the one that bled and died for our sins. The Old Covenant fulfilled its purposes. They remembered. People still celebrate it today. Some have been to Seders. Some have been with their Jewish friends at Passover meals. They celebrate the same thing. And it is there to literally connect and remember. It celebrated deliverance from Egypt. The New Covenant transformed the symbols. Jesus said, I'm going to transform these symbols into something different. The bread's no longer going to represent leaving Egypt, leaving the sin behind. It's going to represent my body, which is broken for you. It also represents leaving the sin of your old life behind and getting into the new life. Sweep that out of your life. Get that out of your life. The new covenant was temporary. I mean, the old covenant was temporary. The new covenant is eternal. The new covenant transforms these into a celebration of remembrance because we were delivered from sin. And people are asked, what's mankind's greatest enemy? There's people saying certain things about climate or about crime or whatever. Bottom line is, two most important days perhaps in your life. The day you were born, which you don't remember. Although some people that say they channel, they say, I remember the day I was born. They were smoking too much stuff someplace. I don't know what they were doing. (laughs) The day you're born and the day you meet God. There will be a day, with all due respect to people who say, no, I won't, I'll just close my eyes and just not wake up. Not according to the Word of God. You will wake up either with your sins forgiven, standing before God spotless because of what He's done for you, or you'll wake up having claimed some other system, your own subjective system to get to heaven, or claiming a religion to help you get to heaven, or claiming Jesus plus this gets you to heaven. And dear friend, you will die in your sins and be separated from God forever. He's provided a gift, and the gift is what he has done for us, and the gift must either be received or rejected, and what he did is deliver us from sin, so we'll stand before him spotless, because if Jesus Christ died and paid for all of our sins, how many sins does that leave for you and I to pay for? None. Good, we have uh, math students out here, not common core math, but good math. If he paid for all of them, then we're down to zero. So we'll stand before Him spotless, not by what we have done, but because of how good and how loving and how graceful God is. That's the good news. See, as Christians, we're not a Christian because we're meeting in this room. We have lots of different people through our committee, uh, through our church and our city that use our room for different things. This room doesn't make you a Christian. I don't make you a Christian. A religion doesn't make you a Christian, but Jesus Christ believing in what He has done makes you a Christian. It's a relationship where you go to Him for forgiveness of sins because what He's done for you. And when you receive that, then you begin to live the Christian life, not in order so you can work your way to heaven, but because He's already paid your way there. You serve Him out of gratitude and obedience and blessing because of what He's already done. He sends the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, and therefore you begin to have the power to live the Christian life. We are transformed. Just as Jesus transformed the symbols into something else, people are transformed when they come to Christ. Bring up the next slide. Thank you. So the lamb slain in Egypt was no longer the ultimate symbol of redemption. It used to be the ultimate system of redemption. God saved us out of slavery. Now, John one twenty nine. This is John the Baptist. The next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. That's why Jesus came. It's the most misunderstood, misrepresented passage perhaps and dynamic about Jesus that there possibly is. People have all kinds of reasons not to believe, but friend, today may be your day. There's two important things that are coming to every person's life. If you're here, you've already been born. The next one is meeting God. That'll be the next biggest one. Before that, and between that time, you have an opportunity to receive forgiveness of sins and become a true Christian through belief, not through a physical building or not through a religion, but through what God has done for you already, period. As we look at that, we understand something. We take the Lord's Supper very seriously is to be taken thoughtfully, worthily, carefully, and respectfully. When the Word of God says, do this in remembrance of me, that's what Jesus said. It doesn't mean we are just to recall, oh yeah, we're doing this, this represents Jesus' body, this represents his blood, no. Just as they took each element of the Passover, and they had to think it, and go back, and relive it. That's what today is about. That's why the Lord's Supper special. That's why years ago, when I would partake of the Lord's Supper, and it was added on to the end of a service, it seemed kind of shallow to me. I don't mean any disrespect to anybody else. I'm just telling my story. I said, God gave us something. He says to remember it. God wouldn't ask us to do something unless it was possible to do. He wants us to recapture the essence of that event. And because our minds are so clogged with cell phones and business and every other thing that can happen in life, this is the time to let the Holy Spirit of God sweep those things out of our minds so we can focus on what did Jesus do. And we're going to have that opportunity in just a few minutes. What exactly did he do for us? We're going to focus on that. It says, Therefore, in 1 Corinthians 11, 27 20, Therefore, anyone who eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup, examination is important. Is there things in your heart that you have that you need to let go of? Unforgiveness. Some of you out there, I some of you out there right now, you've had an atrocious thing happen in your life. It may have been when you were a child. It's atrocious. It's taken so much power in your life that you can't even get by it. This is one of those times you can just give it to God and get released from it. Don't give it any more power. Some of you want to hold on to that. God's saying, release it today. Whatever's going on, release it today. May have been words, release it today. Examine yourself, let it go. Why? Because Christ has forgiven us all of our sins. God doesn't mean respect the person that did something to you or hurt you. doesn't mean you have to agree with that person. Of course not. But it means it's not getting power in your life anymore. God says, vengeance is mine, I'll repay. We release it to God and we live as we need to live. That's how we live a Christian life. But it also says something else on there. That if you eat the bread and drink the cup in an unworthy manner, you're guilty of sinning against the body and blood of Christ. Now, you're not going to be sitting against this cracker, the dried cracker and some grape juice. I want to show you just a depiction. Many homes in the 20s, 30s, 40s have this depiction of Jesus hanging in their homes. Right? Some of you say, my grandmother had one like this. Well, my grandparents did, right? That old picture of Jesus like that. You know, and as a kid you can think, wow, that's a cool photograph of Jesus. But it's just a depiction but if someone came in to your grandparents' house and saw that and spit on it and put it on the ground and stepped on it it would be more than just doing something to the physical paper and the glass they would be they would be disregarding the person for whom it stands what it represents it represents even though we don't know exactly what Jesus looked like it represents him they would be desecrating that, the person behind the image. Today, to take the Lord's Supper in an unworthy manner is to desecrate the person behind the elements, the bread and the juice. So today, God says, take it in a worthy manner. A worthy manner means you're confessed up with your sin in your life. Say, God, my marriage relationship's not what it needs to be. God, my work relationship is not what it needs to be. My dating relationship is not what it needs to be. My forgiveness is not there in this situation, whatever. I don't know where you are. It's a time to examine as pastors and deacons come forward. This is a time you can come forward. You can pray alone or pray with someone. This is a serious time. Remember, to take it in an unworthy manner is to take it knowing you're harboring sin in your heart. You're saying, Jesus, my standard's higher than yours. You forgave me all of my sins, but I can't let this one go. And friend, I understand what it's like to be hurt. I'm a citizen of the world. We've all been hurt. But what happens is when you release it to Jesus, you really become free. You see, we think by holding on to it, I'm free. Because I live in that and I even like holding on to it. But God says, let it go because then you'll really be free. Because when the sun sets you free, you'll be free indeed. Get freed from it today. God can give you that power. So today, if you need to release something with someone, you'd like to pray with them, you can do that. You can pray alone up here somewhere. You can pray where you are. You can pray at home just to release it. If you haven't received Jesus Christ yet as your personal Lord and Savior, whether you're sitting in here or sitting at home, today, dear friend, God loves you. The bad news is, all of sin and fall short of the glory of God. The good news is God paid for all of our sin on the cross, but you've got to receive it. It's a gift. No one can do it for you. Not your mom and dad, your grandparents, not a pastor. You must come to the place where you recognize that Jesus loved you. He died in your place because you couldn't do it yourself, friend. He loved you enough to take your sin to the cross. He bled and died They put him in a tomb. Three days later, he came out of the tomb to prove he was God. And he offers eternal life today as a gift. You can't say, I haven't heard that. I was unaware of that. You'll not be able to stand before God on that most important day of your life when you meet God and tell him, God, I didn't hear. You've heard today. It's a gift. It's up to you to receive it. Please do that today. Please do. God loves you. He wants you to come to him. And he will bless your life after that. Today, if you don't have a church home, we'd love for you to come as a candidate for membership. We're looking for people who want to be on the journey with us to tell other people the great news in so many different ways. So we're blessed if you would come forward to do that. Whatever your decision, I'm going to ask you to stand now. Terry's here to lead us. We'll not wait long.